All right, welcome back. Another episode, a little bit different this day, but um, today we've got Andy. If you don't know what these guys are up to at the minute with the role, then you are not in my book considered as in the weeds and in the trenches of research. Andy, how are you doing? <laughs> Man, we're in opposite parts of the world. I've just woken up. It's probably the last one of the day for you, so appreciate you making some time for this. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing quite well. Got a uh, Got a full slate of calls today. Uh, the one I'm looking forward to the most is uh, with uh, the Avo founder, Julian. I think oh, they nice. just announced Celeste underneath, so I'm going to just kind of pick and prod until I find out what the airdrop criteria are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, where it's hilarious. It's like people um, people always like mention and always ask, like, oh, what what are some of like the main benefits and how do you kind of grow an account and i'm like honestly in the most selfish way physically possible it's because you'll get at least a foot in the door or be able to have conversations with founders and just be able to like slyly ask them for alpha <laughs> and it's just like people want to create all these long-form threads they want to kind of get like decent decent well paid and i'm like yeah fuck that i want as much alpha from the source as physically possible <laughs> that's the thing man not only just the alpha but Speaking to founders is is um is a really nice way to develop conviction in a thesis, right? Like I've been big on this like modular thesis thing for the last couple of months, and it's only came as a result of speaking to so many people in the in the kind of trenches in the space and be like, oh shit, like this is gonna be huge, you know. And so just like in in the investing world, you know, to have those convictions is is powerful because you just you just don't sell early enough, like you just don't sell too early, right? And so like picking and brought in for the alpha and then also like speaking to enough people and like one narrative or a couple of niches, you're like, Oh shit. Like, okay. Like this is, this is pretty powerful, let alone the entire broad crypto space as a whole. So yeah. Yeah. We, we would literally, we were just speaking about that on Bitcoin church live stream. And I, w- I was saying about, um, so Messi actually came back and was on the hero lab stream last night. And he was talking about these top three conviction players and I was like, the thing is, what will happen here? He's mentioned them, and obviously he's kind of like god tier in- investor trader. He says he's not a trader; he's definitely a fucking trader. Um, but what will happen there is he'll have been researching that shit for months. He spoke to the founders. He'll have been checking every single buy and sell that comes in. If there's any funky funkiness happening on chain, he'll know each of those investments inside out. But as soon as he speaks about it on a stream, you're gonna get a lot of people just coming in off the back of it and then just driving the price up not having a clue what that specific project does. And then you also get the reflexive nature of the the negative side of that on the downside. People have won in, like maybe someone sold, took a little bit of profit, and then like you get that cascade back down. And if you actually understand what you're buying in the first place, you'd just be able to weather that storm and you're potentially going to be missing out on some serious multiples from an investment perspective. But having that conviction, you can you, I've got positions that I don't even I don't even know what the value of them are. So I'm just I'm just completely underwriting them until at least the end of the year and beyond so it's just like yeah you have to kind of have that conviction as sometimes it can go either way you, you'll really like a position you speak to a founder and it's just like this guy's full of shit <laughs> but same time double-edged sword isn't it yeah it does happen and it's funny because like some of my highest conviction plays currently are like on the opposite ends of the spectrum something like um i have a good chunk of pudgy penguins which are have now significantly increased in value i'm like oh well i'm, I'm not i'm not going to sell those anyway so 
Harvard New Camp was as part of my portfolio. And then I looked to the right of my, on the right curve, and I'm like deep in like this modular thesis about trying to position <laughs> onto like the alternate VM, DA interrupt narrative with CKIBC. And like, just like, dude, there's just no room for, for the middle curve, man. I gotta stay on the far ends. <laughs> I honestly, I'm hoping so hard about the Pudgies player because we we were speaking about conferences um, before we went live, and I was just saying, uh, talking 2049 last year, we got we were doing a lot of media there, and the second day I turned up, we had way too much to drink the night before, and I was like, shit, I've got interviewed loads of people here. We were interviewing like Maker and Pudgies, and Luca is like, can't tell you what's happening, obviously, but on the 26th there's going to be a big announcement, and I know Luca's like great at. He's a great salesman. He's a great marketer. And I was just like a little bit hungover. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll just forget about that. And it's like, bam, Walmart. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> so I'll call yeah, hard on that I mean, one. <laughs> it's glaringly obvious that they're, uh, that the, the Pudgy Fingers are becoming the NFT leader. I mean, it's just not even yeah. close. I think the, they'll flip the apes. I mean, um, probably within, I don't know, a, a month or two. The apes will cope, and um, I think it'll be better for the entire space. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The thing with, with those kind of situations is there's just, like, even though it's a super left curve play NFTs as a whole, like, it's just, I don't know. There's still a little bit of thought in there, but uh, I don't know. You've been DJing hard on the Solana memes and M NFTs. I'm, I'm curious to kind of hear what, what's been going on there. I, I've got a nice bag of whiff, but again, it's just something where I'm like, I'm not touching it. It's either mooning or I'm just not going to see it again. And, you know, so, yeah. That's that's what you got to do, I think. It's um, it's times like these where the market's like relatively flat sideways, chop city if you're going to be fucking around with leverage, which I wouldn't recommend that at this point in time. And those are just like high leverage, Kind of like options, it's gonna it's gonna be worthless or it's gonna be like high payoff, and it's it's interesting because it, it feels like Solana meme coin culture is, you know, like for so long it was just insert dog, insert Inu, insert some shit on Ethereum, and it got like completely stale. And then it's, I think, because of how cheap it is and how easy and quick to deploy stuff is, like the they've got a lot more creative this time around. Let's put it that way, and. It's actually coming down to how you're basically putting a bet on vi virality, like how how viral can this get? And and the dog with hat for me is that is so normie friendly. It's got a hat. It's a it's a cute dog with a hat. Like everyone can get that from being a complete idiot to not knowing. There's some that are like a little bit more abstract, like a gently used Honda Civic. <laughs> Yeah, it's, dude. Like, it's fucking hilarious, but it is pretty like, good. These people are gonna look at you and be like, uh what? So I think those kind of have like their own ceiling. That Stanley one that is out now, obviously with what's happening with Stanley Cups is like their memes are absolutely incredible. But like for me, it's just this whole kind of new meta of how do you bet on people's attention? And there's a lot of people paying attention to that kind of shit. And yeah, it's similar sort of it's it I did write this in like the recent thesis that we pushed out, I was like, NFTs were last cycle, very, very easy to adopt. People can understand investing in a picture. And obviously they were all going up and, and celebrities had them. But this time around, it's like 
they're NFTs without pictures, if that makes any sense. It's like you're still betting on mimetic value, I think. So that's kind of the way I'm kind of looking at it and approaching. It's completely like stupid and backwards, but it's happening and a lot of people make money. So <laughs> yeah, I paid NFTs last cycle and uh not gonna do that this cycle. Yeah, I just remember being in DeFi trenches in 2020 and just being like so entrenched in like yield farming and like all the different intricacies and then looking at nfts and apes were like three to five ETH and being like this is so stupid but i had so much freaking spare ETH in that i didn't realize three to five months later that i'd be looking at a the unraveling of a bunch of ponzi's and then this birth of a new <laughs> asset class and like the, 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 the realization of like oh man so this DeFi 1.0 was all just a bunch of shenanigans and now we're on to NFTs and is it too late? And it still wasn't too late, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, it's, it's something to be said about having that, uh, that, that left curve non leverage to satisfy any like gambling itch with a small amount and then furthering your uh, financial and mental stability with like these higher, higher time preference and uh, more technical uh, convicted bets. So um, yeah, I wanted to actually ask you about, like the origins of the roll-up and like kind of fill people in if they're coming in cold. I know Twitter algorithm never really works in the good guy's favor. Like we, yeah. <laughs> we, we the reach, we do, we do okay for reach, but I think the people who are actually working on interesting and good shit compared to your moon boy, thread boy accounts, like <laughs> can come yeah, off against sure that. But... And even I just I started it. posting a little like, oh, tokenless modular airdrop like content. Not even putting air judges, tokenless protocols, I'm interested in 100k impressions, 300k. It's just like, dude, are you kidding me? It's like, God damn it. But um, yeah, man. So I, I, I went to a school in Florida. I, I, I did for about two years. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to do like a normal path. So after about a year and a half in school, I, I found this little niche corner of Twitter. Uh, called uh, Money Twitter. Basically, just a bunch of guys online making money, whether it be e-commerce, online marketing, um, info products, Shopify, uh, client work, agency work, crypto, trading, all these different things. And so I ended up just uh, kind of getting in, like just fully diving into this at a young age, at like 18. Um, previously, I had, I had messed around with crypto and, and in university, my current co-founder and I, we're a prominent force in, in the university uh, blockchain club, which kind of piqued our interest there. But um, after that, I, I really dove into this online marketing realm. And um, at the end of my sophomore year, I, I had gotten straight Fs in my sophomore classes, but I had a consistent stream of income and a nice foundation in the bank from doing uh, copywriting and long form sales writing, email marketing, um, and general uh, kind of personal brand things here and there. Um, and so I ended up just dropping out and taking a gap year that, you know, now it's been six years and um, I've not really, you know, looked back and gone back to finish and ended up moving states, uh, moving, you know, my entire circle of influence from the, my, my kind of college buddies to living with some pretty successful guys who were like 21, 22, and I was 19. Um, and we just worked, worked, worked for like two years. And that really set me on a whole different path. Started traveling, you know, went to Colombia, went to uh, Europe, went, went down to 
uh, some, some other cool places in the States, California, Arizona, started meeting other guys in, in this kind of sphere and really started to like have my, uh, my, you know, direction change. And I ended up kind of taking a pause on a lot of that work. And this was about early 2020, late 2019. And somehow I found DeFi man on, and I think it was on th through coin gecko. I was just looking through the coins one day because, uh, because I basically paid my tax for all the work, um, and all the income that I had for about a year and a half, two years. And I was, I was just sitting on a nice little stash of, of uh, cash. And I was like, well, what, what, what do I do now? So I started looking through crypto and, um, and, and, and I saw like Ave die, like A die and compound ETH. And I said, what the hell is all this C ETH and A die? And it's like, what is this? So I Googled it and I think I found uh, the Define and Bankless and a couple other guys. And I was like, oh, this is super interesting. So I just remember spending like three to five days, just like all day reading about all this stuff. And I was like, holy crap, this is wild. We can actually do things <laughs> on chain now. Like it's not just like buying white paper coins. So I called <laughs> up my friend Rob and was like, yo, man, like I, I, I know it's been a while since we've, you know, been in contact and we got to do something in this. He's like, yeah, man, I'm still in college. Like, let's do something. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit busy. I'm trying to finish my degrees, blah, blah. I was like, all right, bet. So I just kind of started pushing, pushing. We launched our, our newsletter and launched our podcast. Um, it was DeFi Slate at the time. And yeah, I went through that entire period of DeFi summer and, um, you know, persisted through the bear market, some bad decisions, bad, bad businesses, bad buys, bad market, just everything not great, but somehow kind of pushed through and made it and rebranded to the roll-up, which is our focus on roll-ups, which are Ethereum scaling solutions. Um, and really just now diving deeper into like modular rollups this thesis about modular blockchains and doing angel investing advising kind of a lot of similar kind of like sponsorship and marketing work um and yeah man just that's that's the full story and it's been a wild journey to be honest just to look back and be like wow like first you, you got to get over like the mental hurdles that you have taking a contrarian path let alone all your friends and family and others uh, and then dealing kind of with the ups and downs of, of the uh, uh, instability of being an entrepreneur and then also being an entrepreneur in crypto. So it, it's been a, a very challenging and rewarding path. And yeah, man, that, that's kind of like the backstory. That's sick. Yeah, I think um, there's a few points in there where I've, I've always been one where you it kind of encourage people to not go down the well-trodden path um, because I think I've I did that myself and I've always never been satisfied, particularly in any line of work. And I don't know if that's just like my personality type, but I've, I always feel like the likes of yourself, likes of um, a lot of people in this industry, they were just never built for like that general nine to five. They're always, they're all extremely entrepreneurial. They're all wanting to actually do something and kind of just have like a better life for themselves, you know? And it's just not like, some of my friends back home and i know for a fact they fucking hate going to work on a monday they they'll get back on a friday they'll just go and get absolutely hammered over the weekend and start it all again it's just like i'm not it's doing that shit. Cool. yeah and it's just like this is like one of the best industries and outlets that is interesting enough has so many inefficiencies where there's opportunity there's that many opportunities it's very very difficult to not get distracted and go and try and chase them particularly if you've got like a sole focus, like a, a media company. And also the fact when you said you kind of got yourself surrounded by kind of like-minded people as well. So like 
that completely resonates. Like I'm from a part of the world that doesn't really have a lot of um, enthusiasm for people that are actually going out and trying to do something a little bit different. And it's kind of this crabs in a bucket mentality where if you, if you look like you're actually going to actually do something unique and a bit special, they want to claw you back down so to make themselves feel a little bit better. So I see a lot of kind of similarities and a lot of kind of mirrored paths there. But uh, yeah, I think you become a product of your environment, don't you? So like the more like successful people and more optimistic people out there um, that you surround yourself with, it just completely opens opens doors that you'd never ever be able to get through if you're just kind of resting on your laurels and just going through night, um, everyday life, you know what I mean? Yeah, and what's crazy is the online uh, community kind of open that possibility and open those doors for people who want to take advantage of them in the sense where you know it, it like you mentioned in your hometown it'd be tough to, to find people that uh, you kind of uh, gel with in this similar kind of mindset of like ambition in america it's a little different we, we that that culture is a little bit more established and and kind of there but it's still not the same as like you know like when I logged on when I was 18 and, and saw these guys were just hustling and getting after it and had a different, you know, outlook on, on just all, all, all different parts of life with, you know, from sports to porn, to how they eat. to what they put in their mind to what, to what they listen to the music, all these different things. It's not just like, Oh, I like to make money. It's like, like the way that I, I like to live my life is like a, a balanced whole. And so what, what, happened online is you could then find all, a lot of these people and make a circle with them and then even end up connecting with them in the real world which is still weird to grasp these days but it's becoming more and more more and more normal i just remember being like with this chick and you know i was like 19 i think getting ready to leave and i would just go to the library every day in university and just skip all my classes and just go work on the business stuff and i remember one day i was chilling with her and she's just like so you're just gonna work this is like pre-covid and pre-free kind of like remote where it's just, you're just going to work from your computer all day and not be in the office, not be social with, with anybody. You're just going to do this. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. She's like, you're crazy. <laughs> that sounds awful. Like, <laughs> like two years later, it's like entire world's working on their computer, just trying to gamble it and make it on freaking GameStop. And it's like, dude. <laughs> and why, why did you choose... I think I know the answer to this, but why did you choose to niche down into a specific of, and there is a lot, it, it is quite an expansive niche. I, w- I will give you that, but kind of like roll-ups in particular and, and like, I suppose more adjacent, you're getting this kind of modularity narrative built off the back of it as well. Was that just something that you knew that was going to pique your interest for a long period of time? Like what, what was the reason for niching down? Yeah. I mean, DeFi Slate was very much, um, the earliest days of DeFi, where it was like there i knew every project like legit if there was a new project launching DeFi, we were gonna you know we we were in there it was like there was 10 15 projects and the 50 then 75 right whereas now it's like i mean i can't even fathom how many Probably projects. 50 today <laughs> yeah like 25 today and it just launched so it's like geez um and so that with a combination of wanting kind of like this new energy and also seeing the, the trend of just kind of like L2s that like we knew that rollups were going to be kind of uh, the focus point for Ethereum scaling based on Vitalik's uh, rollup centric roadmap. And so for us, it was like, 
it was an easy decision to kind of push that path forward uh, and niche down for like, you know, the betterment of the business. You know, you have a, a more niche community. You can either charge premium prices or at least you get people that come to you for a specific reason rather than just kind of being like a do it all in a way. Um, and then this modular thing just kind of blew up in our faces, man. I mean, it just, I, I, I was with the uh, CMO of Celestia for a week in Amsterdam we just kind of game planned a, a lot about how we can grow this. This was a couple months back. And so since then, I just kind of really pushed that hard. Also, the Celestia airdrop was just pretty solid. And then I just tripled down at the lows. Like literally, people didn't claim. And I was just like, dude, now nah, I'm buying more. This is going to freaking send. So <laughs> that thing sent. So, you know, that also like has now, I've got a personal uh, bag in the horse, you know, and then we're just angel investing into a ton of these projects and I've met with a lot of them. We're, we're going to co-host modular day. Um, and uh, we're throwing modular March, uh, which I've actually added you into the chat. I don't know if you checked your telegram much on the main account, but um, yeah, so that it's just been a, yeah, now kind of an ex a further niche and extension. Um, and, and, you know, th th there's a little bit of like hype and narrative riding with that one, but I also think genuinely that idea is like, is going to be the future of blockchain. So it's like, uh, if we can build rollups that, that are like modular with their DA and VM layers and, um, ultimately settle to Ethereum or even to a different settlement layer. Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot there that's, that's pretty powerful. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're going to be short for content. Yeah, I mean, dude, it, it seems like everyone's partnering up with Celestia, and like Eigen hasn't even launched, and Avail hasn't even launched yet. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how those play out. Is there um, because you have a very unique perspective on this in that area of the industry. What are there any projects or protocols or ideas that people are sleeping on? We obviously know like you big swinging dicks in the room, but are there any that you, even if it it could be a hit and a miss, is there anything interesting that you're seeing on, on your side? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the there's a couple interop protocols that, that are cool. Like we know about Hyperlane and all the current bridges, but uh, I met with the founders of Union. These guys are so smart, um, doing like. Uh, ZK based bridging, ZK IBC, that, that stuff's super cool. Um, and trying to like kind of work, try to really change the, the, the cross chain space. Um, I just, I got a pitch deck for this AI DA layer called Zero Gravity. That looks super freaking cool. I, I couldn't even find them on Twitter. So that's how early it is. Um, and, and I think that's something like that could work using like bringing AI on chain for, uh, for data publishing. Um, let's see. Um, there's a, there's a couple cool ZK VMs also coming up. Um, like mill foundation is something cool. Um, I think Anisha is also one of them. Um, so, so, so those are interesting, but frankly, man, I would, I'm like the big swing and dicks are the ones that are the most exciting because they're actually like really, like really good tech. And I think they're going to be like the, like the leaders of the stack. So like, you know, all the, all the ones that, that, you know, one would mention in the, these are the airdrops for TS stakers. Like those are actually the ones that I think will, you know, will do well, but yeah, there's definitely a couple of sleepers and 
Um, I think it's a little too early for uh, a lot of copycats and a lot of people just jumping on the narrative. So it's like, I think the quality of the projects are still really, really good. I think in over the coming months, we'll see quite a bit more kind of copycats happening. How big can Dimension be, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to compete with, with um, Ethereum and Settlement Layer. Um, I think, I think frankly, all of these projects are dependent on the FDB of Celestia. So if Celestia can get to 100 or 200 bill, then, I mean, all of these airdrops will be significant. If Even if they can just get to, I basically just look at, at as Dimension as like the second project now. Alt Layer just launched today, but I don't know that, that, that they're going to have as much pull as dimensional because of their airdrop and just because of the narrative, but I think that, that they'll do well too. So I think, I think Tia, I, th I think if Tia has like, like, like the, uh, like the gold of the basket and just everything else just kind of is like, is like a beta play. So if, if Tia is at like 15 to 20 billion right now, like, yeah, I could easily see, you know, seven to nine FDB for dimension. I have no idea what that puts it at in price, but um, yeah, I, I think Tia could get to hundred to 300 billion. FDV, especially if things get wild or even higher, um, so that you know that would put a large a large price target on a lot of the modular bets, as well as a significant multiplier for anybody who got into like the early rounds. No, hundred percent. And like I've been trying to figure this one out, and it's pretty hard to kind of forecast. But what happens in the DA space? Does it become a race to the bottom in fees? Do they become commoditized as individual products? Do they look for different verticals? Like, how do you think that that kind of plays out? Yeah, so I think I think um, it's not necessarily a commodity in terms of race to the bottom, but what it is is that it's uh, it becomes a world where um, the differentiators perhaps come from uh, what other things that these teams might offer as well as just like from like the BD and kind of other so support side of things. Also, I think that the, the big impact here is gonna come uh, on the sequencer. So basically what, what, what happens when roll-up sequence, roll sequence transactions, um, you know, they, all, they, the, they earn all the fees from the uh, transactions, then they have to uh, pay for DA costs, they have to, they have to pay to you know, batch transactions, post them back, right? And then there's usually a surplus of profit left over, which in Optimism's case, they give out to grants and to Arbitrum, they do probably do grants too, or, and, you know, kind of to each their own. But I think what DA is going to do and what the modular kind of thesis is going to do is going to force uh, the decentralization of sequencers because realistically, if we're going to drop costs like by 100x for fees, sequencers aren't going to make that much money. Um, especially, you know, e even with just EIP 4844 coming in. And so I think that, I think that the era of centralized sequencers is, is on its way out, which then brings a whole nother conversation as to like how sustainable rollups are as businesses and like, do, does base want to decentralize their sequencer and just lose this massive revenue, uh, you know, uh, profit, uh, machine, you know, that, that they have 24 seven. And so. I guess to like answer your question, I think that the value accrues back to the users in terms of cheaper fees, better experience. I think uh, D, uh, alternative DA layers are going to force uh, decentralization of sequencers. And 
I view uh, not necessarily as a race to the bottom, but as a, a, a betterment of experience for all um, in terms of like where, where the value is actually being accrued. Like why does the optimism foundation need like another 50 million? Like, yeah, they give it back to the community, which, which is great. But ultimately it's like, it'd just be better if users didn't have to pay all those fees. Um, And so, yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I like that answer. And um, what you, you're in another unique position with the crazy rapid proliferation of L2s and the experimentation of L2s. Are you seeing anything? Obviously, we've seen Blast and, and Manta. Are you seeing anything a little bit even more out there, like, like some form of Frankenstein chain? I know Eclipse looks, yeah. I personally think it's very, very interesting, but is there anything else? bit funky on the horizon that people could be aware of oh man i, I got a pitch deck for some absolute interesting project on blast um trying to do like a launch pad and i'm just like holy crap type of project it's like yeah we don't even have a sack just send us the tokens here and and we'll send them back <laughs> bro. Fuck, bro. Like, man, we're in the wrong industry we should be doing that glass gosh um i leave I leave our yeah. multi-sig address below if anyone wants to just send us. You'll never yeah, yeah, we're launching that. a new L2. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I kind of worry about the state of L2s in that sense. Um, I don't necessarily have a specific one that I'm like very interested in other than those two as far as like Max DJ. And honestly, I'm pretty pretty satisfied with, with how Manta's price action has done considering there's like just a lot of like shenanigans that happened. Um you know, because from my perspective, especially like we basically did this transition to the roll up um, about a year ago, maybe like eight, nine months ago. At that point, it was like very much L2s were like this, like, like pedestalized, like lovely, Ethereum aligned, infinite garden type of thing. Right. And so now it's like, now it's like these, these, these motherfuckers are turning them into just straight D-Gen Ponzi's. And it's just like, <laughs> you got like OG builders that I'm talking to with like ZK Sync and Tyco or like, like so Manta just launched, has a billion and a half TVL and uh, they're just made of a cardboard. And we're like, yeah, I mean, that's the state of things. So, I mean, my words of wisdom would just be to like, I, I, I would encourage experimentation and participation, not only for uh, builders and participants, but, I always, I would always just encourage like respect your elders, like the uh, the scrolls and the zk sinks and the tycos and the optimisms and the arbitrums and like the ogs, because there's going to be a lot of options in the coming months, and um, I just think there's something t- to be said about uh, from a fun security perspective to respect the uh, the ogs. Yeah, zks is a funny one. I do you think that is despite products being live, do you still think that's a little bit too early from a technical perspective yeah and uh, and the side yeah. question to that is do users care <laughs> yeah you see i think big brain giga chads care and so yeah. where there are big bang big brain giga chads there is money and there will be innovation the key call co- the, the key problem with zk rollups is is uh and zk tech um is the proving time so basically, like the objective is to get the proving time of uh, the zk proofs significantly down, because right now, uh, like optimistic rollups don't have that problem. In fact, optimistic rollups don't, don't even have 
fraud proofs in the current moment. It's just a centralized sequencer. So it's like, it's like basically there's no way for this to fail unless the centralized sequencer goes down or somebody hacks the optimism sequencer somehow, which is like all but all but you know guaranteed like you know, no one is impossible, but it's like it's it's very unlikely. Whereas ZK proofs, they rely on on zero knowledge proofs, which take time to uh, uh, achieve what, what they call instant finality compared to optimistic rules, which have that the you know theoretical seven day fraud proof window. But the issue is that still takes you know twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, hmm. ten minutes. So it's like if you want to do a transaction on zk rollup and then bridge off, right? You you're you're stuck there waiting for this uh, proof to go through. And so the bit I think that's the big bottleneck until the proving time can basically achieve what users think is instant finality, which is like when you go on a cross bridge and send from our our arbitrum to optimism takes four seconds. Right. And until that is like the state of ZK, then we have some work to do. And there's all, there's honestly talk that it, it might be like really, really, really hard to get the proving time down, uh, if not like impossible. So be interesting to see what kind of me- mechanisms come out. But yeah, it's pretty early. Um, I think it's good to invest in, in some of those projects, like uh, as like an, as, at the early stage level. Um, I'm just excited to see like what scrolls, ZK Sync, Tyco, what other ones? Uh, I mean, I guess Polygon ZK we already had the coin. Like, I just be excited to see what those tokens do on the market. Like, mm-hmm. just how people are viewing them, like speculating on them. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because we, you kind of alluded to it there, and it's kind of what plays out across the industry. Whereas, it's kind of almost apart from your top fifty projects. Aside from that, additional utility is just as futile and is probably received with less excitement than stuff with absolutely nothing like if you look at what what's funny is when you see meme coins starting to like go towards like building bots and like actually having revenue it's just like game's over (laughs) game's over like it's it's completely backwards but it's all like people like the big shiny thing to speculate but then you can obviously look at the fact where, yeah, you might actually gain some users off the back of it and stuff like that. But I'm, it must be so, so, so frustrating if you've worked, like your life's work is built into like this specific piece of infrastructure and people are just going. I think I've seen Rollbit had 1000x leverage on Whiff the other day and I was just like, we stray forever from God every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it bothers the builders that are here for the long term, but also I think that um, they'll have more prolonged success than those, you know, who who aren't. So ultimately, I think it all kind of plays out. Um, and in the bear, that's when the the kind of pain is felt for those who are uh, on that more degen track where, um, you know, there isn't really much happening there other than speculation. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see like this world of all these rollups. And then, you know, the idea behind these modular blockchains is like you make it as easy to launch a chain as you do a, a token. Um, anybody can launch a chain. I think it, it takes us out of this era of like, expensive block space where, um, you know, you get the pay transactions on Ethereum or, you know, rollups are all already solve that but then take it to like 10x or 100x levels where you know there's most apps have their own chain a lot of interoperability questions but 
I think it's super bullish. Um, I'm very bullish on all the infrastructure that's been built over the last like two, three years. I think it's been very, very important for uh, further adoption. But it's just like now we're like in a space of like, like what consumer apps, like like what's going to be the, the, the thing or two that's like, whoa, like, like friend tech almost had it in a way. Like mm-hmm. friend tech was close, you know, like, but that shit's just gone down, like completely down the drain. Like, I, I, do you have any ideas like gaming is cool, but like, I don't know, like there might be some hit games. Like I just, and I feel for those builders who are trying to build that because it's so much easier to just raise for infra, build some infra, do B2B within crypto. And, and you know, ultimately like, you know, not achieve a whole lot in terms of like users, but, you know, have a product that uh, has hype and partnership and that you can kind of make money on. But like, I feel for those who are building um, consumer apps, like it's like, well, damn, dude, you have to like, that's why I think kind of like what, what Pudgy Penguins is doing is super cool because it's not just like, mm-hmm. it's like actually going out there and crushing the chasm of like crypto's here and people are here. Like, you know, bridging that gap is tough. Yeah. Well, we, the the interesting thing, if, if you go on Pudgy Penguin's Instagram, there's absolutely zero mention of crypto NFTs. It's just cute pudgy cartoons and it's delivered exceptional. I think they've got like millions of followers. Yeah. <laughs> and that and like what I think gaming is getting right at this point in time. There's a couple of games like Shrapnel, Off the Grid. Viewers, the camera off the top of my head, but it's like they're actually just going right we're a game first it's just like everything on the back end is crypto rails because it it's great for proof of ownership transferability um actually having in-game items represented as nfts if there's any in-game currencies and stuff like that that just makes sense it's already there in regular gaming but it's not it's on like obviously centralized servers that are just a complete fucking joke um and they're just leaning with like game first you don't even need, need to know it's actually happening on the back end. If you want to take your in-game items and sell them on a secondary market, then great. We'll we'll Trojan horse it that way. Whereas I think there's a lot of stuff, particularly that we are probably more in the weeds with in, in DeFi and that like cry that they don't have the user base, then they don't do themselves any favor when it comes to like reducing the, the barrier to entry. UI, UX is complete dog shit. Um, even like wallet infrastructures so far behind what ev- everything else that we've built but yeah i still think we've got a long long old way to go there yeah i also i also don't worry too much about the consumer facing side until like really like really like like this institutional stuff with the etf and and um different things that i think is like almost it, it's it's like a pre it's like a pre uh precursor to to uh, the the consumer side, it may, it may not be directly obvious now, but more regulation, more people entering, more more thought, more more mind share towards this, you know, I think leads to ultimately more builders and more ideas being thrown around. Um, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, like it's just it it becomes a world where where uh, there's so many things to build on and like. I think that this idea of competition in crypto is pretty funny. And I was talking to the, the founder from Lisk and he's like, he's like, after six years, we're coming back to being an Ethereum roll up and we're just going to be Ethereum aligned and we're not going to uh, try to compete. And I'm like, dude, yeah, 
like why you know like like and people and we're, i talked to projects i'm sure you do and they're they're worried about the competitor there and there and i'm just like dude like we're not thinking about this in the right way like <laughs> not big enough <laughs> yeah like man so uh, yeah, the the competition state it, it, i think is very and when i talk to builders i really try to, and rob does a really good job of this too my co-founder he's like yo man like you should actually just collaborate with them somehow and figure out if not just to 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 bring your products to make your, your products better but like the, the, there is no competition right now sure your investors might think there is but like man it's yeah it's very i think adopting collaborative outward looking mentality is something that uh a lot of projects would greatly benefit from and um I think what it would also help to build better tech and better wallet tech, better um, apps. And yeah. I think, I think that's, that plays perfectly into the modular thesis as well, because it inherently has to be collaborative. <laughs> if you're Rob coordinating. Says, yeah. yeah. Rob said like the favorite, his favorite thing is that everyone's friends and yeah, I mean, it's, it's still early, right? But like, everyone's yeah. friends. This time, this time for fighting. When you're worth $100 billion. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll come, you know, as the new DA layers launch and things, there will be spiciness. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, we're trying to build the best tech. And it's like, I think the, the modular thesis removes the single-mindedness of monolithic chains of kind of like my L1's faster, cheaper, better, more secure than yours, this and that. Um, it removes the, the uh, just, it removes that maximalism right that 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 that, that tribalism um yeah that, that's why I, I think i like it a lot it kind of takes me back to the early DeFi summer days a bit yeah there's the um put money on the line it begins to get really heated at times doesn't it but yeah um what do you think about alternate vms you had the movement labs guys on um i'm really starting to get intrigued by this kind of landscape that's developing yeah man i mean i just think the evm is kind of like good for some cases and it's good for the ethereum alignment that it brings but ultimately ethereum is moving towards more towards like a data availability roadmap and a data roadmap less computational which basically means like eip 4844 they're trying to focus on data and less on like that like the like like the vm side and i think it's i think it makes sense i think I'm sure the the movement guys talked to you about all the uh, kind of downfalls of EVM and kind of how um, movement has better formal, formal verification and has different security and smart contract um, auditing in, in, in real time, just different things that are very important. And I generally think that uh, alternative VMs will, the biggest reason why I've invested at some early stage and why I'm very bullish is because of the onboarding of non-crypto native developers which hopefully helps us with, with our previous thoughts here about five minutes ago about these, you know, mm -hmm. consumer apps and these big things that could hit. Like to me, it's like, I don't think people that know solidity are going to be the ones that will build this next big thing. To me, it's like, it's a guy who's built in Java and TypeScript and in Rust and, and in Linux who, who has some understanding of, of how large apps can be built and then it comes in and is able to build. And so, like for even if not just for it, it's a total failure, if there's just the onboarding of developers, that's something that I want to a support with 
uh, resources, time, efforts, and just see that forward because to me, that just makes sense. It's just, that's, regardless of what tech is more superior, the fact of the matter is all VMs will onboard new developers from non-crypto native languages, which is, I mean, that's very bullish. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. Honestly, the uh, they're great dudes over at Movement Labs. I think they're leading the charge over there. And um, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to slowly play out. I think there will be a lot of pushback. You know, we were just saying there's a, there's a competition where there doesn't need to be at times, but it's like my shiny toy is better than your shiny toy kind of stuff. But as I say, people will vote with their activity. People will vote with their dollars and you'll actually see it play out. So it doesn't matter how tribal the space can get at times. It's like people are going to go where they're the best. You've got the best kind of infrastructure, the best tooling, best largest amount of users. Everyone's sick of going between the same hundred users in, in DeFi <laughs> and beyond, aren't they? Yeah. So, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see it play out. Yeah, I think uh, I think Ethereum is really good as a settlement layer. I just don't know how great Ethereum is like at the virtual machine level, based on all these hacks that we've seen. I mean, you see so many hacks. Um, yeah. So, like my thesis with the modular stuff is like Ethereum is the best settlement layer. Sure, I support other L1s as settlement, but to me, it's like why would you compromise at the most fundamental layer at the, at the most fundamental layer of security? Um, so that's why I still remain pretty bullish on Ethereum in the module thesis. Like, if there is a better settlement layer, which I, I think is going to be very, very tough to 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 create, just because of you need years of Lindy effect, you need decentralized validator set, you need a, a ton at stake. So these are all problems or in situations that, that take a while to build, but everything else in the modular stack, I'm pretty much is like, like is not really Ethereum at all. But I think the main way that Ethereum gets value from that is that I think the best, most secure rollups, whether it's with Celestia DA and Avail and Cartesi VM movement VMs, Solana VM, whatever it is. Um, you know, I think they all kind of end up coming down to Ethereum, which so ultimately like I see it as, uh, you know, let's say Cartesi gets an app that is built on on Cartesi VM that is absolutely killer, that scales to 100,000 users in a couple of weeks, a million, 10 million. Well, theoretically, all, all that value should still come down to Ethereum because it'll likely be, be settling there. Um, and so the kind of sketchy part for the Ethereum thesis comes in if the modular stack starts to sway away from Ethereum as a sediment layer and mm -hmm. starts to use others. Then you start to question like, well, like where does Ethereum and EVM fit in all of this? And like, does it? And so um, it'd be interesting to watch play out. That's great from a speculator's perspective. Exciting times ahead. What's, yeah, um, so. what's, what's next for you guys at the roll-up? Yeah, I think so. We're going to go to ETH Denver. Uh, we, we're hosting a couple of events, um, co-hosting a couple of events with some cool peeps. And then, yeah, March, we're going modular March. Um, we're going to try to just absolutely permeate all of the crypto mines with this modular uh, kind of thesis, this modularism, not maximalism, doing tons of video content, educational content, game shows, uh, uh, kind of POAPs, NFTs, written content, um, and just really try to take grasp of, of this concept and shed light for, to the entire crypto Twitter and ecosystem um, on just kind of what is, is happening and, and why this is something to pay attention to and kind of how to participate in. So that's super exciting. Otherwise, man, just, just keeping heads down. Um, you know, it kind of took a, 
a bit of a of a slow kind of lull there for 2022 into 23 and towards the end of 23 we really started to ramp it up so uh, you know, in crypto, it feels like when when the opportunities are calling, you have to be on top of it and take advantage. And so I think for us, for this year, you know, it's just all about staying focused and not burning out, but really, really staying at it as to the top of our game as best as possible and um, kind of seizing the opportunity as it's as it's here and setting ourselves up with a bunch of different longer term investments at the early stage and also just, um, you know, setting a, a foundation for future success to be able to last through the next bear um, and also just see uh, su success in this bull. So yeah, we're heads down and um, really just enjoying the ride, man. That's yeah. Sick. Yeah, absolutely. That's sick. And um, where can, where can, where do you want people to be directed to? I leave it all in the description regardless, but um, yeah, give, give people a, a shout out for the socials or the site or wherever you want. Them yeah, I appreciate to. that. For sure. Um, so I'm on Twitter at a three wise E Andy. So a Andy, and then we are at the roll up CO, the roll up CO. And then our, our website is the rollup.co. You can find us there as well. Otherwise, yeah, we do a lot on Twitter. Um, also on YouTube at the roll up CO and yeah, I appreciate you having us Grant. It's been a pleasure. Um, and yeah, I look forward to just growing alongside each other and also embracing the collaborative mindset um, when it comes to media and socials and, and growth and just information, right? So um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, but we'll uh, likely do a couple of more of these over the next year or so. But um, love seeing you, you guys grow, take the mark by storm. The content's absolutely sick, first class. There's a lot of Wolves and sheep's clothing in the industry. I'll put that in the nice, nicest way possible. And I hold you guys in the highest regard. So um, from someone who sees how the sausage is made, these guys are legit. Go and check out, go and support as much as you can. And yeah, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. Yeah, thanks, Grant.